tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen right here on 960theref.com. All right, we got a loaded episode, the crossover podcast presented as always by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen in Watkinsville and also in Five Points in Athens. Chris Brame from the home team, David Johnston from the morning show, and uh, we are the crossover podcast. Again, you can uh, subscribe to us, get us on uh, iTunes or listen anytime on demand at 960theref.com or better yet, download the 960theref app and uh, you can just tap the app and get all of our on-demand content your favorite programming listen to the ref live anytime anywhere you are also stream all georgia sports programming within a 75 mile geofence of athens and i mean dave this has been like the the ideal month to have the 960 the ref app because there's been so much going on i feel like there's been as much action with georgia football this month as there is when the actual season is uh is going on so you know it's just like the hot stove league of of college football and georgia football i guess it is yeah and we didn't even we recorded last week's episode before the todd munkin news so we'll talk about that today georgia gets a verbal commitment from brock vandegriff but between georgia did play a game this month on new year's day then the uh, getting Jamie Newman, new quarterback, first from turn pro. Then Georgia gets a new quarterback. The reorganization of the offensive coaching staff, now a verbal commitment. And if you have the app, you find out all about that immediately. We'll you know notify you, send you the push notification, and you'll get it. So this is like the type of yeah. uh, month when the yeah. app is perfect. It's perfect. And you can notify us what you think of everything with the open mic with the open mic um but yeah you got georgia basketball in full swing they've played kentucky twice and auburn already but uh, a lot of georgia football so we jamie newman we knew todd munkin the new offensive coordinator and i guess that was the surprise last week was georgia wasn't filling that opening on the coaching staff with just we're going to bring in another offensive guy it was like no 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 He's going to be the offensive coordinator. James Coley is now an assistant coach. And as to what, we're not sure. Yeah. Just assistant head coach. So I guess there's a question about how the special teams will be handled. But um, because that's what Scott Fountain did, who left to join Sam Pittman's staff. But yeah, Kirby did not. uh, he did not mess around when it came to the the offense last season and the the underperformance of the offense last season and Kirby's done something to maybe inject a little life into it this fall. So we were told kind of throughout the season, hey, the receivers aren't very good. Well, not that they're not very good, but there's uh, you know, we have some some problems at the receiver position and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go into what we're trying to do offensively and didn't really hear anything about coaching or anything like that and then all of a sudden it wasn't just we're bringing in Todd Munkin kind of like what LSU did with Joe Brady 
Because I kind of felt like that might be what would, would happen here, and that's kind of how it would be presented to us. But that's really not at all what we were told. Here comes Todd Munkin. He's the offensive coordinator. James Coley is now the assistant head coach there. And then we find out that Buster Faulkner is coming in, the offensive coordinator from Southern Miss. There's another guy who's also an offensive quality control coach, Sean Watson, who's been um, – you know, no see at what pit among other places. So yeah. there's a lot of things going on over at the football office that I'd really would love to know, you know, how it's gonna all shake out. You know, on Twitter, I can think uh Coach Coley has removed some of his references to George on that kind of thing. Uh, you know, on his what little bio part. So does that mean he's out the door too? I I don't know at this point, but you know, it's it's weird in in business in your job when you get demoted or something like that most people don't know it's you know it's a it's a private business in the world of coaching everybody's going to know your business now granted he was making close to a million dollars so that's a, a nice little thing to to fall back on but you know is this the kind of the beginning of the end or the end of the whatever for the for the James Coley in in Athens you know um you know tree or whatever whatever it is might he be at going to Texas A&M or something like that. I don't know. Well, yeah, it is cuz the what intri- intrigues me about the that move of Buster Faulkner and I guess from the standpoint of there's like, you know, more of the the younger guy cuz Munkin's been around forever. He's been a head coach at Southern Miss. He's been, you know, an offensive coordinator in the NFL and in, you know, for Oklahoma State. I guess most of his years have been spent in in the college game, but you know, I guess I guess Faulkner is more of that the the younger up and coming yeah. guy and that's I guess the odd thing about him is he was he left Southern Miss. He was the offensive coordinator there, and he left to come here to take for the time being, you know, an off the field analyst position. So, is that maybe a move on Kirby's part? That you know, I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure James Coley is disgruntled. He was the offensive coordinator, and he's been, you know, cast aside here. So you would think, yeah, he probably is maybe looking to move on to someplace else and not just stick around here doing you know some other some other job and if that happens then you know is does Kirby already have the replacement there in Faulkner yeah I know and those quality control jobs you know they they pay pretty good money but I can't imagine that it would be paying the same thing as say the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss and it's just the the status and the title I mean you're an assistant coach yeah you're in there on game day yeah yeah technically here you're you're not allowed to be I guess you could can you sit in the booth, but you can't have like a headset on or anything yeah, I, like that? I don't know all this, but what you can and can't do. Right. But uh, it is like, it is Kirby. And I know with Munkin, he is, you know. By the way, wasn't he, he left when he was head coach at Southern Miss, he left at kind of a weird time, didn't he, to go to the Bucks? To Tampa. Like it was like in the spring or early summer or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, you know, in, in He's only actually called plays for one season in the NFL with the Bucks, and then he didn't do it with the Browns last year, and he only did it in Tampa in 2018 because Dirk Cutter was the guy calling plays as the head coach. Right. So, you know, as far as – and the offense for Tampa was good in 2018, mm-hmm. but that's it. He was that – you know, when – you know, in, in the NFL these last four years that he's been there, it's only that one year he was actually the – the play caller so but that's the good news is he can't be blamed for how bad the browns were last season <laughs> and how much yeah. of a train wreck they turned into yeah although you know you could say well nick chubb had a great year almost led the nfl in rushing uh but you know they were trying to 
fit Odell Beckham and um, uh, yeah, yeah, Landry. He, yeah, Landry though. Yeah, with him and and Beckham and. I guess, you know, Chubb had a good year in, in the Mayfield situation. Although Freddie Kitchens, I just looked like a odd hire from the beginning, and as it turned out to be, it certainly was. Yeah, um, give him credit for just cutting bait immediately, recognizing yeah. it and moving on. Although they, then they hired the guy from the Vikings who was last seen uh, picking up like six first downs against the Niners <laughs> exactly. a couple weeks ago. I know. I know. So, hey, maybe but try he, Eric Bieniemy. He was the one. I, I, I don't get that. I know we've talked about that before. What else does he have to do to get a, a head coaching job? Especially with the success that these other Andy Reid offensive coordinators have gone on to have. I mean, Doug yeah. Peterson. I guess, you know, Matt Nagy had, you know, he's basically now, he's just strapped to the bad quarterback. But, right. Yeah. Those guys are, I guess, or not Nagy, but LaFleur, right? LaFleur was the OC there. Yep. And gets Green Bay to the, uh, yeah, to the NFC to title the NFC game. T- I don't know. It's, uh, it's weird in the in the coaching world like that, but you know Todd Munkin in the air raid offense, and then between that and and Buster Faulkner coming in, who yeah. was at Valdosta State, it yeah. is Kirby is embracing maybe passing the ball to uh, to win. Now here's the thing too. I mean, everyone, you know, you don't normally have a you know an air raid offense and a shutdown defense. They don't normally go hand in hand. Not to say that you can't have a good defense, but one of the reasons Georgia was good, I think, and effective on defense is because they were able to control the ball offensively to an extent where they weren't turning it over, weren't making, for the most part, dumb plays, and the offense could sometimes, I think more than, maybe, I don't know, I have to go back and look, stay on the field enough to to give the the defense at least some time to kind of gather itself. So, I mean, does that mean that – and I'm not saying all of a sudden Georgia's going to turn into Oklahoma, but does the defense take – I mean, I, and I, here I would like, okay, well, if the offense averaged this many points and the defense averaged this many points, I would certainly trade, like, a touchdown in one direction to get two touchdowns in the other uh, as far as giving up points and scoring points. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But does that what the air raid offense brings – I don't know. I don't. I'm just throwing this well, out. Well, it's kind of like when LSU beat Vandy this year, 66 to yeah. 38. Yeah, and everybody's like, like oh, 38 points. Yeah, like LSU's defense was was really good. Yeah. and we found out in the last month of the season that I mean LSU's defense is always going to be good because they got players, and I feel like Georgia's yeah. defense will too. But there might be a game if your offense scores 66 that your defense at the end is like we don't care if you get yards at this point because we just want the clock to run and get out of yeah. here. And every game, I mean, obviously has its own personality. Sure, yeah. And that game, I don't even know what, I mean, was that one? I have to go back and look. I don't even remember, um, you know, how that one went. Um, uh, you know, I, but, you know, kind of what we see with, like, the Chiefs is, like, um, they can get behind, their defense gives up a couple of touchdowns, and then the next thing you know, they've outscored their opponent you know, 49 to, you know, 20. Yeah. Kind of LSU was that way also. They score touchdowns on seven straight drives. Exactly, exactly. Right. And, and maybe that's the kind of thing that that's what that's what football has become, especially on defense. It's not the old three yards in a, a cloud of dust anymore. It's winning moments, you know, causing turnovers, making plays, tackles for loss, making the other, you know, putting the other team in third and third and 10 third and 12 as opposed to like third and three or third and four that's what defense is about yeah and and I think on the opposite on that's what 
I think our offense was a problem uh, this season. Is I, I just I thought Fromm was done in a good bit this year by our offense being in a lot of just third down and long yeah. situations and doing some doing some background recognizance on uh, on Todd Munkin. That's one of the things you look at with him and his. It's like he's not afraid to even throw on like second down and ten. Because like where some teams all right, it's second down and ten. Let's just run and get into third manageable. He's about no. We're going to keep passing yeah. and try and get into the best possible. If you end up in third down, third and short, but these, you know, third and seven and third and eight. So Georgia was in there like all year last year, and it just, to me, it, it set from up for failure when you were in more of these obvious drop back situations, and that's that was a big issue with the dogs' offense last season. Yeah. And Munkin seems to have basically like the opposite philosophies: do everything in your power to stay out of that. Where we would you know plunging into the line a couple times the next thing you know it's third and eight yeah that's a good point and uh and then that's probably where the you know the 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 issues at receiver then come into play and then you lose cager and you don't have a whole lot of experience and then you know a guy like pickens is really your only guy and the other defenses can you know kind of you know maybe focus more on him although it didn't didn't do baylor a whole lot of good there in the sugar balls on that second quarter have they watched any film on georgia (laughs) this year have they seen any tape on the dogs but anyway yeah that's the i guess the excitement part of of what hopefully todd munkin brings yeah and it's just maybe it's it's a fresh look or at least it's the the idea that you you've you've got this coach in kirby who came from this background when it was at alabama they had all the ingram and henry and the the running backs that would win the heisman trophy but since he's left they've signed to a tongue of iola and have had a guy throw 50-something touchdowns in a season and throw for over 4,000 yards. So if LSU and Alabama and places like that can embrace an offense like that, then so be it. But another thing, you know, Munkin is honest about and saying is is like what he likes to do on offense, like all offenses, is pretty much dependent on having good players. <laughs> yeah, and he knows he's got good players here. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's the same thing with – yeah, what LSU did. Like I like I think every one of those skill guys for LSU we're gonna see they're gonna be playing in the NFL. Like every one of them. It was just this perfect storm that yeah. that came together for them this year. And Georgia's got plenty of guys that'll be on this offense that'll be playing in the NFL. So But it's all cyclical, you know, give the defenses time to kind of figure a, a few things out and then the offense will have to change and do some things differently and you know, yeah we'll see what it what it looks like as far as that goes uh by the way uh it was 28-7 after the first quarter in nashville lsu was ahead so they ended up winning 66 to 38 so it's almost yeah. like they just checked out after that yeah vandy scored 38 but i don't think that was bad lsu defense that was like well we're up and then it was 38-17 at uh at the half so they had a three touchdown lead at the half so just never really in doubt and LSU's defense did have I don't know was Delpit out then I know he was hurt they were missing a couple of guys too and they got those guys back towards the end of the year and that certainly helped as well yeah and then briefly they even kicked Divinity off the team yeah that's right that's right and I think that night that John Reese Plumley gashed him on the ground they brought him back like we might that next him. week yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah All right, we'll do a a quick little break here. It's the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. We'll come back and uh, touch on a few other things. Uh, Georgia basketball and uh, the Braves, too, adding Marcel Ozuna. So they don't get Josh Donaldson back. He ends up in in Minnesota, but they do pick up a, a thumper in Ozuna, who hit 29 home runs last season for the Cardinals. And he was actually... 
uh, well, he was he played a pretty big role in the NLDS against Atlanta last year too. So you know what he was in that Cardinals lineup? A presence. Yes, he was, and hopefully that's what he'll be in the Braves lineup. And just really to. I mean, because like two years ago, Marcakis was hitting cleanup behind Freddie. Then yeah. they brought in Donaldson last year, and like they need somebody that is a threat to hit a long ball behind Freddie to give him yeah a chance to to see something decent to hit. All right, Chris and Dave, the crossover podcast presented as always by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com and the 960theref app. True Italian food has returned to Five Points and brought some friends along because Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen is now open in Five Points, Athens. At the new Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen, you'll find all your Italian favorites from pizza to calzones and baked ziti along with sandwiches, salads, wings, and more plus a full bar for beer, wine, and cocktails. It's time to eat at the now open Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen at Five Points in Athens and also in the Manders Crossing Shopping Center off Mars Hill Road in Watkinsville. Part two, the crossover podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. Find them in uh, Watkinsville, the original location. You can also uh, get them at the uh, still somewhat new, it opened last summer, the Five Points location in the old Waffle House building. Um, You know, I feel like Kentucky's John Calipari has always had positive things to say about Georgia he always was uh very complimentary of Mark Fox uh Kentucky beat Georgia for the second time in two weeks a couple nights ago and you know he's saying the same stuff don't count them out yet and I want to feel that way we are less than a third of the way through the SEC season and in Georgia's first five games they've played three of the five games have been against the two best teams in the SEC this year Auburn and Kentucky so they're one and one in the other ones but there's a couple things one is losing to Auburn by 20 or more points for the first time since the 70s and then like an historic beatdown at the hands of Mississippi State too is what we're also getting delivered so I really I don't know what to make of uh of Georgia it's a young team with a great player and maybe we should expect that but um moving on the rest of the season I and mean, what should we just basically settle back and see like I think getting to the NIT is the goal we should have for this team and forget about getting to the NCAA tournament yeah, I mean, does this feel like an NCAA tournament team? Not really. I mean, like you said, getting whipped by Mississippi State and the uh, the loss to Auburn. But at the same time, it just it, it feels like there are pieces in place to you know to to put a little something together. Losing Ingamezi wasn't good just because you know you lose one of your big guys, and that's where Georgia was a little insufficient in the first place. So you're having to bring in you know, a couple of other guys to try to fill the void, and that's certainly not the uh, the easiest thing. Kentucky, though, I mean, having to play them twice, what, in your first five games in the conference, well, you could say, well, you're getting it out of the way, and then you throw Auburn in there, too, and there's still another game with Auburn coming up, although they got they got run by Florida last week. So it's, you know, you look at that, are the Gators probably a little bit better than – than uh, maybe the, the the start that they were off to. I'll well, just we got to play this. them twice too, exactly. right? I, yeah. So I'll just say this though: I'm watching the game last night, and I'm certainly getting frustrated because they, you know, weren't at times playing very well, and and were losing. And whenever they would make a little bit of a run, Kentucky would you know do something good, or they'd get a call. Of course, you're not expecting to get calls that are up or anything like that, if unless you're Kentucky. But I was like, you know what? Georgia still finished with 79 points. I know they gave up 89, but at least I'm back to watching this team again and not trying to see them you know, crawl to 55 or 56 points. I do like the product better. 
there probably have been some unreal expectations planted on Anthony Edwards because now we're finding out teams well we do this anyway but the teams are double triple teaming him he's trying to you know learn how to you know move the basketball learn to move without the basketball where, where to get the ball in the open guy I mean he's having to do a lot of stuff that he hasn't ever had to do before and if you you know the thing about Kentucky too is I mean they're they're big they're long I mean they're hard to you know hard to deal with you get in a double team with a couple of their guys and trying to find the open man that's you know easy for for some people to sit on the couch or in the chair and go, oh, he needs to do this or he needs to do that. I mean, I'm certainly, I guess, defending him in the sense that this is a young man. Look, it doesn't matter. You know, someone asked me, don't you think he needs to come back for another year and work on his game? I was like, well, if I think that, it doesn't matter. I mean, if he's going to be the second or third pick in the NBA draft, what does, what does it matter? He's going to leave. I would leave. You know, so it, it's not that he's coming back, but you know, is he? And he see, I like him when I hear him talk and when I hear him interviewed. He seems like a really, you know, good guy. Might even have his feet around there a little bit. So hopefully, you know, he's taking all this in and, and and the coaches will be able to, you know, help him out the rest of the year. And, and uh, you know, this learning experience is what it'll be and, and maybe it'll result in a, a few wins that maybe we didn't expect. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I am a little confused about this team, but I realize there's a lot of things going in that you know make it tough for these guys if all that makes any sense or not i guess the um the mississippi state loss is the one where yeah. you start scratching your head yeah. like i mean what was that it's yeah. one thing to you're on the going on the road in the sec and this is one of the youngest teams in the country you're not you know you're, you're not expecting the win to win the game but i mean to lose by 32 points to them was like oh i agree I mean, what was going on then but you know the the team did after falling behind Last night it was what like eleven to two right out of the gates. Georgia did come back and take a a lead briefly yeah. in the first half, and uh, you know before Kentucky went on a little run to close out the half. So I mean yeah, at least Georgia did kind of lurk all night, and then right at the end again, kind of like the game here in Athens, Kentucky went on a run and got it out to sixteen, and it was pretty much over. But yeah, I mean I was just looking with with Edwards who didn't score in the first half last night. And you look at the four losses now in the conference. He scored zero, three, three, and eight points in the first halves of of all four of those games. Now the one game where you had the eight, Georgia was leading at the half against Kentucky, but then three at Auburn getting blown out, three at Mississippi State getting blown out, and then zero last night. So he's he's put up some gaudy point totals, but I feel a lot of it's coming in you know garbage time at the end of the game when it's already decided. But then maybe at that point too, he's also not. He's not getting the attention from the defense that he was getting earlier in the game when the game maybe was still hanging in doubt. But. Yeah, I mean, I'm pro- I'm sure there is a lot of that. I mean, I guess, you know, even he being one of the top players in the country in high school coming in, you know, most of those guys, they're, they kind of flock together a little bit. You know, you might have – like Duke's not signing just one top player. They're signing two or three. Right. Kentucky's not signing one top player. They're signing two or three. And and Edwards is is a little bit different. He elected to stay home. He's clearly the uh, the centerpiece of a of a good recruiting class. So you know, I just think it's a little bit different there from him. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see him stay for a couple of years. Guy's phenomenal, but at the same time, I understand that he's not. But hopefully, his coming here will be one of those things where you maybe open the door for some other good players to come here. I mean, Coach Crean. He's coached a lot of good players over the years, so he he knows how to do it. And you know, every player's a little bit different. But 
I don't know, maybe just what we expected and what we're seeing. Obviously, we're, we're two different things. But when Edwards is on, I mean, he is he is an unbelievable player. And last night, he didn't take the most shots. Hammonds took 15 and he took 13. So I can live with that. But still, Edwards needs to be taking the most shots every night. And maybe not the forced shots. I think that's what we see, too. And maybe that's him feeling the pressure of uh, – you know, trying to get the offense going sometimes. Yeah, you look at it so, and you think maybe in the first half you'd like to see him be more assertive, but then you look at the box score and like, well, he is shooting the ball in the first halves of these games. He's just not making anything. Yeah, yeah. And but that I'm sure. Hey, I got shooters. I need yeah, makers. He needs to. Yeah. Maybe he needs more. He needs more making. But he yeah. starts in the second half. But like I said, I feel like a lot of that scoring does come down the stretch when the game is pretty much already um, already over with. You know, when you do look, go and look back at uh at coach Crean's first couple seasons at indiana like they were terrible before yeah. they finally won a couple big 10 titles got to some sweet 16s but you know i guess maybe the the expectations ramped up here because while he was at indiana he didn't sign a prospect in his second season like he did here with uh with edwards but including edwards i mean you consider like the the experience of this team is pretty much what after harris and crump and hammonds Everyone else is like a freshman, yeah. practically. I guess Gresham is a veteran, too, but yeah. you know, he was playing somewhere else. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, too. And let's uh, let's hope it's kind of like an LSU kind of Ben Simmons situation where when they had him, they didn't make the NCAA tournament. They Were were they an NIT team? I don't even think they went there. I think they, he, did, he wasn't even around for the postseason, was yeah, he? Yeah, I think they gone. basically just decided to call yeah. off the year. But look, was, <laughs> look what they've done since then. Yeah. You know, so maybe it could be that kind of a, a a situation there here with Georgia. I don't know. Yeah, I get. Like I said, the I would, I maybe I would feel more hopeful if the because I I could take like Georgia going and losing in Mississippi State, but it's just like yeah, like ninety one to fifty nine. Yeah, like, like what? what? What 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 happened yeah, there? Exactly. So and even I mean even Auburn with the like a historic route. So I know. I mean Auburn is good, but yeah, since then they've been blown out by Bama and Florida. Um, at least the dogs covered last night, Chris. Yes, they did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they do have that going for them. And look, there's not like must wins when you're talking about stuff like this, but Georgia needs to beat Ole Miss on Saturday. I mean, they're owing what five in the conference. They just got yeah. wrecked by Tennessee. Uh, but then again, you know, Ole Miss is looking at it. Hey, Georgia's just one and four in the conference. It's a, a chance game. for us to get a win. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't take them lightly, but, you know, you kind of think with all these tough games that Georgia's had to start the 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 conference slate that they get one here on Saturday that they can win. Yeah, and Ole Miss is even – I think they lost their last game before league play, so I think they're riding – they've lost six in a row overall, plus the five straight to, to start off SEC play. So, yeah, this will be yeah good time to, to keep that going. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we get out of here, a, a quick Braves mention: spring training is uh, coming up, and Atlanta does sign Marcelo Zuna. So after losing, after losing Josh Donaldson, this helps. Ozuna's not as good as Donaldson. He is younger, and he was. He did miss like thirty something games last year, um, and he still ended up hitting twenty nine home runs. But um, you know, the the thing with Donaldson at third base is he played good defense last year, plus the bat that he had. And, you know, now you've, you've got kind of a crowded outfield unless Atlanta does have some trade up its sleeve because there's Azuna, Azuna and Acuna. That'll be tough to say. Azuna and Acuna. Azuna Acuna, and Acuna. And Acuna. 
And then what do you got? Marcakis, Duvall, and Enciarte still. So I think what what will what the plan is now. Now, like you said, this could change if the personnel changes. If Enciarte uh, is in the lineup, he'll be in center, and Acuna will be in right. And if Enciarte is not in the lineup, Acuna will be in center, and the the Duvall Marcakis, I guess, tandem would potentially be out and right, and then. You know, I think the plan is is for Ozuna to be pretty much the everyday left fielder, and I guess if there's games where he's not playing, then you've got options to to you know to put someone in left. I'm not crazy as much about. I'd I'd rather a guy like Acuna, and he's such a good athlete and everything. You know, I like to see those guys just play the same position. I, sometimes you lose a little bit defensively when you move guys around, right? Um, but you know, if that's the plan, then then that's a plan. What is third base going to look like? Is Camargo the guy? Do they, you know, hope Austin Riley can now hit, you know, breaking balls a little bit better than he did last year? I mean, he's still a young guy. He was, you know, we were told he was the, the next third baseman for the Braves. Are we not going to he looked see it. that? I know. Are we not going to see that? I don't know. Uh, but I think that's, you know, what the plan is supposed to be right now with what the Braves have in personnel. You know, it's funny, though. As I was reading earlier today, so like the Cardinals, you know, they made a qualifying offer to Ozuna when the season ended of $17.8 million. And you know, that's the old CYA thing. Casey signs with somebody else, you're going to get a draft pick. He gets pick a draft out. pick, yeah. So he ends up signing with the Braves for essentially the same price that the Cardinals offered him. So they'll get a draft pick out of it, but they won't have him. They'll right. have a draft pick out of it. So they'll it's build just, that farm system. Build, that's right. They'll exactly. get a hot prospect. Exactly, exactly. But as I said before the break, he was a presence in their lineup in that in that postseason. You know, Goldschmidt and and Azuna were the the guys you felt like the most. You had to uh, you know really bear down on, and they had big series against the Braves where. Freeman did not have a good series against the Cardinals, but you know, hopefully Azuna helps Freddie out in that instance. Yeah, I you know the the top of the Braves order ahead of him is better, I think, than St. Louis with Acuna, Albies, and Freddie. Yeah. So I mean, they're actually that might actually limit Azuna's RBI opportunities because yeah. you figure those guys are going to be hitting bombs, and he might come up with the bases empty more often than not. But then, you know, he can hit some bombs too, and at the very least, just at least give Freddie. Um, a competent bat behind him like he had with Donaldson. It's not as good as Donaldson, and it no. does leave a hole at third. And it also creates where the Braves' top two prospects, Waters and Pache, that the organization doesn't seem like they're they have any interest in moving. Like those guys are outfielders too. So if they were due to come up maybe at some point this summer, like, you know, where's the where's the room for them? I don't know, but um You've built this minor league system Let's see what you, you're going to do with it and how you're going to use it and can you acquire you know a big-name player with it. Yeah. I'm actually like – I like that the Braves signed Felix Hernandez too. <laughs> now, I'm going to assume he's done because if he wasn't, he'd still be in Seattle. Yeah. But – Well, he had an atrocious season last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And I know he had his moment where he walked off the mound and got to see King Felix in Seattle. It's a shame. That's one guy that just never got to – to touch the postseason that um, you really wish you you would have been able to see, but I don't know. I mean, he is he is lurking there in the farm as a guy that was once like one of the game's great aces. Oh yeah, and and he's flying under the radar too. So I mean, who knows? Not expecting anything, but it is interesting that suddenly that guy, King Felix, 
is an Atlanta Brave right now. Yeah, so the rotation, you, you assume it, Soroka, Hamels, Fulton Evich, uh, is this postseason rotation or, or regular season? Hopefully it's you the need postseason. You down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He needs that one. He needs that road start because his home road splits. So then Freed. Yeah, I would say right now, yeah, Soroka. Um, let's see, who did you say? Hamels. Soroka, Hamels, Fulte. Fulte, Freed, and then, you know, whoever might be that fifth guy who could be. Felix, yeah, Felix. I mean, could I Kyle know. Wright maybe? I know he had a couple yeah. of really bad starts yeah. last year, but he was good down the stretch at Gwinnett. Sean Newcomb get another crack at it. Um, yeah, I wonder with him because the bullpen now doesn't really seem – there doesn't seem to be a spot for him in the pen. Yeah. So the pen is actually pretty pretty, pretty stocked now. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's re- there are reasons to be you know excited about this team, but this still needs – it feels like there's that one piece of the puzzle that needs to be addressed. And, and what are they going to do with it? Yeah. All right. Uh, appreciate you checking us out uh, again this week. As uh, always, the Crossover Podcast. You could subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen anytime on demand at 960theref.com. Or uh, better yet, you need to download the 960 The Ref app. And uh, like we said at the top of the, uh, of the program here, this has been a, a perfect month to have the app because there's been so much action with uh, Georgia football. And it's only the first month of the year. Next, we still have signing day in a couple weeks, <laughs> and then spring practice will crank up, and then yeah, and I then, guess things yeah. will maybe quiet down. You always hope they quiet down anyway. So you in go the from summer. middle of April to what, just a couple of months to media days. Yeah, how good is that going to be this year too? Awesome with Lance and Leach. Awesome and I mean, I mean, Sam Pittman showing pit up now as a head coach. We'll actually get to hear what he sounds like. Yes, yeah. that's Since like he's a, been muted for the last four years. Well, that was like the the great thing too, and like yeah. digging up, actually seeing video of Todd Munkin talking, you know, and seeing what he, you know, some of his thoughts on offense, and trying to like find out information yeah. about him. You realize like we'll never hear from him again no. though, when he's here. No, the guy's like he's an adult who's been a head coach, but he won't be allowed to talk. I made a joke on the air yesterday. It was probably well, it was a bad one. It was like Buddhist monks. You know, we'll hear more from them than Todd Munkin. You know, while he's here, that's pretty much you know these. I mean, it's it's strange. And and with Coach Pittman, really, the only thing that I've heard him say since he's been in Athens was like, "Yes, sir." You yeah, know, that that's he would tweet those like it. little things yeah. out whenever we would get yeah. someone. What if that's all he knows has to knows how to say? Yeah, That'd be weird. I bet he knows how to call the hogs now. <laughs> there, <laughs> exactly. All right, appreciate you listening as always. Thanks to Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen. Go out and get you a pizza at uh, their right. Manders Crossing location in Watkinsville or the Athens location in Five Points. For Dave, I'm Chris. This has been the Crossover Podcast presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com and the 960theref app. You've been listening to The Crossover presented by Fully Loaded Pizza Kitchen on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.